Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. are listening to the urban sports scene which we are part of Ampire Media that's ampiremedia.com I'm Ole joined by my co-host Ray Jeezy Will T's out what's going on homie it's good to be in the building it's a special day HBCU hockey I never thought I would hear that term Whoa, ever that's hockey Tennessee State got a hockey team now it's the first HBCU team ever hockey team ever wow. first HBCU to have a hockey team and it's the only college hockey team in the state of Tennessee. This is a big deal. Yeah. We grew up watching movies, Remember the Titans, Glory yeah. Road. Yeah. Also, Ducks. the, the my- no, no, the Mighty Ducks is not count. That, see, see, you being funny, man. You, mess up, you messing up my... my you messing up my... I know you're going. I know you're going. My bad. Listen, I apologize. I apologize. Go ahead. The Mighty Ducks is, is fictional. It's a classic. Um, <laughs> for some people. But <laughs> The Great Debaters. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Okay. Slim, um, who used to be on... Uh, are you, think, you think about, are you thinking about the girls? The light, yeah, the girls. The lights and girls. Yeah, the Smollett. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's not why I asked, though. But, I'm, but the great debate is, you know the story I know, but, based yeah, on. I know the story of him. You said that. Wiley, that's Wiley, Wiley College. Exactly. I'm just saying, like, this is his story. It, it goes along with that. Like, gotcha. we're living to see this. That's we're my point. Like, this dude like. brings up the Mighty Ducks, and then he brings up the, just the girl. You know what? I'm done. I, I tried, people. I tried. I agree. Look, I'm with you. The history. It's just history. So, I'm, I'm watching the HBCU, just media today, streets, and... People are excited. People are going to want, already want Tennessee State hockey jerseys because it's so historic. That's dope. I wouldn't want one, too. I would want one. I, I believe you. I'm, I'm dead serious. I believe you. Yeah, thank you, because I wouldn't want one. I absolutely. I actually so, may look it up right now. I'm, you should. Yeah. So so I don't know if they're um, pre-selling them. They're, they they have a design already. It's yeah. dope. So, of course, they're not going to be able to compete right away. Yeah, yeah. that's how it normally it's, is. It's still in the early stages. However, this is historic. It's going to be a movie about this, especially, just imagine, fast forward five, ten years from now. Mm-hmm. They advance to, I don't know how it works, the Frozen Four. That's what it's called. Um, I know you're laughing because it's hockey. <laughs> I know you're laughing. But I'm just saying, just imagine. That's a big deal. That That's where a company like Paramount will step in and say, you know what? We want to do a movie on this team, a documentary. It's coming. It's going to be amazing that we're living through this. And I'm lo- I'm loving the fact that we get a chance to actually report on it. That's so true, I'm excited man. about it. It's a, it's, it's a big Ooh, deal. Oh, we get somebody to interview now. That's what's up. We got somebody to talk to about some hockey. That's good. I'm for, I'm for that. Who, um, HBCU corner, man. We can, yeah. You know what we do. We can. Yeah, start, I mean, start. I'm interested to see how it all plays out yeah. because as of right now, like for example, if you look at some Tennessee HBCU, State, right? State. yeah, if you look at some HBCU baseball teams, bowling teams, yeah, it's a mixture. It's not just black folks because some people are saying, you know what, black folks, they when they when they take over a sport, they take over. Not really. And you know, I'm just saying, they, this, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So hockey though is different. Yeah. I don't know too many black hockey players. Yeah, so yeah. I'm wondering how it's going to impact the community, the we young don't. people. Are they going to want to play now? So you know what? I can go to Tennessee State. I don't know. So it's going to be, it's going to be dope to we, see how this all evolves. We haven't taken over baseball. So, I mean, it's like these schools have a mixture. It's a lot a mixture of the greatest of players in history are, yeah, are no, black, No, 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 no. They are. not saying. I'm talking oh, about in terms like of like, it's not the it's not man. The, it's not Ken the majority. Griffey. That's my guy. Oh, the, no. It's not the majority. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. In basketball, football is definitely the majority. I agree. It's all like taking over. That's what I'm looking at. The but greats. Yeah, but it and, is what it is, though. Anyway, Empire Media hosts multiple That's DMV dope, podcasts. <laughs> Show such as the John Conn Report. Hosted by ESPN Washington, Commanders, 
Insider John Com and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today Insider Mike Jones. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Team. And also make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the local app with hundreds of options in local news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amplifier shows as well as other great content. And don't forget, you can hit us up on social media on Twitter at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T's not here, but I'll say his thing. Let's get into our tradition. The pregame, here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about the, the Wizards drafting Bilal Kaulibaly. Also, the Wizards drafting, uh, let me say drafting, trading for Jordan Poole and Tyus Jones. I always want to say Tyus Young for some strange reason. I don't mm. know why. Tyus Jones. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner, we have a pre-taped interview with CIAA Commissioner Jackie McWilliams. Uh, Ray, you can hit us up first. All right, with the eighth pick in the NBA draft, the Washington Wizards selected Bilal Kalabali, as you just said. What are your thoughts on the pick, and who do you compare his game to? My goodness, we're going here already. This is hilarious. Yeah, I feel like you have. This is the thing now. This is the thing. Like you have because to, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I want to do something different. Like, well, want, no, no, no. Because the, like, the, the joke that night was the Wizards drafted Giannis, and um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's not and Jokic. Not Giannis. <laughs> no, I've re- I've really watched them. Like I. To this like this morning, like I went on multiple clips, and I was like, "Who does he compare it to?" And I try to break down things that I saw, and what I didn't see, that's that's why I can tell. If I didn't see it. I know you can't. You're not able to do it as much as easily as others. But he reminds me of his comp for me would be like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, he'll be like Andrew Wiggins. Like he's a guy who can play. He can, he can defend. Um, not a guy that at this particular point has an awesome jump shot, like like a pull up J, but it's decent enough. Um, he has to quicken up his his jumper. But he does everything well. He plays with. I think he plays with. Compared to some of the dudes we've seen in Washington, like the guys they drafted recently, um, I'm gonna use Denny Avnia because that's a guy who's an overseas <laughs> player. He has more of a. He plays with more of an edge. Like he's he's ready to bang on you. Um, he's 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 a slasher. He's a true slasher. Um, great. Like I said, good defender. His dribbling is getting better. I've seen him in year his uh, 2021, 2022. His handle. His handle is much better. Uh, he, he has nice crossover. He looks, He's just smooth. He's a very smooth player. When you look at him, he fits the role of a basketball player. You could say, you know what, you can play here. Because he plays tough. He plays big. He's not scared of contact. I think he's some, he, can, he can definitely project that somebody special. So I have to comp him. It'd be like an Andrew Wiggins. But I do think there's room for him to improve, definitely. I don't have to compare him to somebody. You, don't, you, yeah. you, you did a great job of describing his game. Also – Making a comparison that makes sense. Andrew Wiggins, same height, yeah. very similar yeah, like athlete. He's six, he's six, yeah, and their arms are both long. Yep. Too. So I agree with that. Here's my question, and here's my thought process: Who is going to be the right coach for him? Wes Unsell Jr. is not the coach of the future in I don't Washington. Know. I don't know. It's the, hard. I, it's, it's amazing that in Phoenix, their owner wasn't playing when he came in. He cleaned house. Here in Washington, there's a brand new regime, not a new owner, but there's yeah. a brand new regime, and Wes Unsell Jr. is not going to be here. I, I can tell you that right now. I don't know if it's going to be next season, mid-season, but he's not going to be here. So you want to get a coach long-term that's going to develop this kid and then ultimately teach him how to play winning basketball in the NBA in the United States of America. And I watch guys like Jason Kidd, who wherever they, wherever they coach at, whether it be an assistant or a head coach, they develop talent. And Jason Kidd is somebody who I would love to be a coach here. Now, 
I'm thinking that Jason Kidd, with the team he has, Mark Cuban's not going to give him much more time. Oh, yeah, I got I, I, I'm just thinking that Jason Kidd might be somebody who could potentially be a Wizards head coach in the future. He's the right guy to me to come in and develop. But that's what I want to ask you, and I also want to put that out there for our listeners. Who will be the right coach to now coach this new Wizards team? See, I like Wes Enzo Jr. I just like I just like him. I think he's I, a I like him too. I think he's a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he was forced to use he was forced to play his system with Bradley Bill. I think he was forced to do what Bradley does best. Try to make him a dribbler, which that's which wasn't his best thing. I feel like you're gonna get to see what Wes Unsell Jr. can do as a coach this season. Last season, I don't think you with Bradley Bill, you can't really tell because you now demand because you you said it, you know, because you've seen it. Like Tommy Shepard wanted Bradley Bill, like that was his thing. Like he wanted Bradley Bill, he wanted to build around Bradley Bill. So, but Wes Unsell Jr. comes from a place in Denver, which is totally different. It's not, it doesn't really tailor to what Bradley Bill does. It, it tailors to more ball movement mm-hmm. from the big pass and this, that, and the other. So we're going to see now how Wes Unsell, Wes Unsell Jr. has the opportunity to build his brand as a coach. I know a lot of people are saying we're going to talk about it later, like, okay, Jordan Poole is going to come here and get to do whatever he wants to do, right? But Jordan Poole doesn't have the cliche and the cash and, and the like the brand of a Bradley Bill. Like, he can't come in and say, I'm going to do what I want to do, right? He doesn't have that brand. He's, he's, not, he has, he's not an all-star. You know what I mean? Like, he's an NBA champion, but he's not an all-star. So, in this situation, I want to see what Buss Unsell Jr. can do. But I will go back to something you did say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Jason Kidd would be perfect. I'm not sure if Cuban will let him go because, I think Jason Kidd, not too long ago, got him to the Western Conference Finals. So, he's, it depends. It all depends on what um, – with their, their best player. Um, the one that cries all the time. Their best player. Who? Dallas's best player. Oh, Luca. Luca. It's all depending on what Luca wants to do. If Luca doesn't like Jason Kidd, then Jason Kidd is. I, w- I was just throwing his name out there. He doesn't have to. No, no. I like Jason. Oh. I think it's the good one. I I just, really I'm good just one. Of, speaking of someone who develops players. That's that's what Washington's going to need. A win, and a I don't players. care. I don't care what Wes Unsell accomplishes per se. I just think that he's not the guy. And, it's possible. Like it. It's possible. And, and right now, but with all the changes, I see that being one of the next big changes or adjustments that, that Washington as a franchise makes is they're going to find a new coach. Mm-hmm. Now, you said we'll get to see the real West Unsell. At times, mm-hmm. when Kyle Kuzma was out as well, we saw ball movement. We saw yeah. people like Rui shine. But yeah. we also saw Kyle Kuzma be ball dominant yes. and take bad shots. Yeah. And again, that falls on coaching. And also, That's the true. Wizards have not made leaps and bounds defensively since he's come on, even though that was supposed to be his MO. So, mm-hmm. with the way the roster is now being constructed with this being a, an official rebuild, what do you expect from the Wizards next year? They're going to be a lottery team, do you think? Yeah, no, Okay, definitely. if they're a lottery definitely. team, there's no reason he needs to be here. See, that's the question. That's the thing. You already they, – they want to be a lottery pick. Right. So how, do, how is it like, – like how is it – any coach that comes here isn't going to be productive because they want – this is the goal. The goal is to, to pretty much have this thing look terrible, get number one picks, get like first five – like, like, top five picks. So, to me, West, I think West, because they blew it up, West has, like, more of a leash because if they lose, it's what they want. It's not like they're giving him the, the pieces to be very competitive. If you brought West in, I would agree with you. Yeah. It's just like Orlando was rebuilding, and they yeah. brought in Mosley. You saw him bring in their bring Right, in their and, they're, and they're giving him time bring to it. build it. Got you. Got but you. in this case, they in, inherited West, who That's a good Tommy wanted West as well. Many feel like West wouldn't have got the job if it wasn't for his last name, unfortunately. Because Unsell, the name in the organization. I agree. Um, I agree. 
I, I, I kind, of, sucks, agree, I kind I of agree with I that. Agree. However, here's the thing. If that's the case, if we're just a household <laughs> organization, so to speak, uh-huh. if that makes sense, if the Wizards are, yeah. then Bobo should be on the squad. And people, whole, pe- people talk about Wimby, right? Number one Man. overall pick, and they compare him to Bobo. Like, why? Bobo slipped in the draft, right? Man. And he was available for Washington. Washington took Admiral Schofield, who they later traded. Yep. It made no sense. Tommy Shepard was the most, <laughs> I tell you, interesting dude. And then he would make a move like, oh, great, you bring in Porzingis. But you already messed up so many times. So he hired Tommy Shepard, who left a stain on his organization, called a no-trade clause, which was dumb. Uh-huh. And, and what I, from what I read, that might be the last no-trade clause in history that Tommy Shepard gave to Bradley Beal out of all people. So at this point, if you want to get rid of that old Washington Wizards just tradition and decision-making, just everything about that old regime, I think that Wes Unsell Jr. is on borrowed time. But I could be wrong. What you're saying makes sense to some degree. Like, okay, they're not going to be good anyway. So what are the expectations? What are the coaches looking from, looking for in him? Because let's just say he overachieves because we can transition to the veterans that are on the roster now. Yeah. This is what Tyus Jones wanted. He wanted to be a veteran starting point yeah. guard on a team. That – Concerns me because I'm like, do you really want to win? I'm I'm cool personally if I'm a backup somewhere as long as I'm winning. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we can take it back to college. When I played with y'all, we didn't win, right? <laughs> yeah, well, but your brother was winning, and he's right. like, you can play with me. You can yeah. be on the bench. I'm like, bet. So you talk me out of it. So <laughs> I, I'm cool. I'm cool with. <laughs> I'm cool with, with coming off the bench, playing my role, and, and being on a good team. The, the Grizzlies, up until Josh started to have his behavioral issues, of yeah. course, or off the court issues, yeah. they looked like a, a potential contender. Yeah. They were supposed to have this budding rivalry with the Golden State Warriors and compete for championships. Mm-hmm. Of course, they had some setbacks, but they still have a young roster. David Roddy's on that roster. Kenny Lofton Jr. They got some good pieces good to do it. Bro. So it's like, why would you want to leave that where you got a chance to actually win to come to Washington? Like, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. However, this is what he wants. So maybe they overachieve under the leadership of a Tyus Jones. I don't know. But what is the expectations now with these new veterans coming in? And Jordan Poole, I guess you can call call him a vet. Jordan Poole is somebody who I think can help develop young people too. Why? Or young talent? Because he was in the G League. Jordan Poole? Yeah. Oh, he's bucking his buckets, bro. I don't know he's developing anybody. But I do think he's going to get his numbers. He's going to get his numbers. I feel like a fresh right. start was needed for him. Yeah, a fresh start. But I do think that you can get a, a, a clip on what Jordan Poole is about if you just watch the Warriors play and what they're trying to accomplish and what he's trying to accomplish at the same. And this, truth be told, this is after the championship. I think in during that, to your point, right, I do think in the first, when they won the chip, he was more about trying to play. It was more about the, what they were trying to do. Year two was something totally different. Now, we can say – after like last season, we can say, yeah, it could have been about it could have been what happened in the off in the in, before in the off season, right? That played a part. We can say that, but I ain't gonna try. I'm not trying to put all that out there. Like I don't want to do that. I think that's kind of dirty. I think a lot of people are kind of throwing that out there just to be dirty. But if you're looking on on the court, it wasn't about team with Jordan Poole, especially if you watch the finals and, and you watch like I mean not the finals, you watch the playoffs and seeing situations and even the Lakers series. To be honest with you, situations where is trying to make the winning play. It was more about making a Jordan Poole play. And I think that – and if we're talking about playing winning basketball, that's not winning basketball. Like, we see this with other players that we – all right, like the same thing. Uh, same, I'll give you another example. Watch the Houston Rockets play and watch old boy Green. I think he's, I think he's a dog, but watch, he, watch how he play. He ain't playing winning basketball. It ain't about winning. It's about, about getting, getting mine. Jordan Poole is in a similar, is in a similar situation. It's about getting mine. I mean, I'm not saying that Green can't learn how to play winning basketball. I'm just saying that they are very comparable in terms of what, what the mindset's about. 
because you watch a team, a scoring team like you watch Devin Booker, when he started feeling feeling how how to win. I would make the argument that like he understood more how to play winning basketball. Like it was like I can score, but I want to play winning basketball. So, which one is it going to be? Is he going to come in and do what he wants? Is he going to be this player that doesn't play winning basketball, or is he going to listen and fall in line because he's not an all star like you said before? I think he's playing. I think he's going. To, I think uh, he's going to try to get his. Okay, so if that's the case, Jordan Poole is expendable. Very. It's not a big deal if, not, you're, oh, I agree. if you're I rebuilding. Agree. This I agree. this was just a move because you needed to rebuild. I agree. The, the The Washington Wizards took the best deals that they could get for what they were offering other teams. A lot of Wizards fans, and I've talked to some people in the media who, who were saying this is dumb. They didn't get any first round picks back. I, I agree. Think, they should have landed some first round picks. If Marcus Smart was worth two, you should have got at least one first round pick Man. with all the picks you made. However, many also on the flip side say. The Wizards overvalue Bradley Bill and Chris Porzingis, and they weren't worth what people think they are. So this is the hand that the Wizards now currently are dealt with, but they got a slew of second-round picks. And they got they, first round And pick. they also they have an expectation and they have a plan for how to rebuild over yeah. the next three to five years. Jordan Poole, in my opinion, really, he's not necessarily part of the long-term plans. This is just somebody that you brought <laughs> in. It, right. He's somebody that you brought in for that reason. Now... If you watched, going back to Jordan Poole and, and his mentality, I want to ask you a question too after this yeah, is, yeah. after they won that championship, you saw Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole in the locker room and they both looked at each other and said, you about to get the bag. Andrew yeah. Wiggins looked back to him and said, you about to get the bag. He said, we about to get the bag. You know, they started yeah, laughing. Yeah, yeah. The whole mentality changed. And this dude that was trying to prove himself from being a G-leaguer and yeah. showing he belonged in the league, who worked his butt off to get there, now mentally, I'm a star now. I'm about to get paid. I'm a champion. And you mentioned a word about Air Reed, off the air, entitlement. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seeped in. And I don't know about all the off-the-court stuff. Is everybody talking about, is he going to Rose Bar? Is he going here? Is he known for partying or something? Yeah, supposedly. Really? Yeah, he does a lot of stuff. He, he tried to get – there's some some rapper chick he tried to pay a, pay a bag to date him or – do whatever. Oh wow! That's out there, and some dude got her, got her for free. I don't know. So you saw the Cameron interview about how he was saying you money green, yeah. you brought all this other yeah. stuff. Now, if that's true, and and and, and there were so many leaks, yeah, in, in, in the Golden State Warriors <laughs> that I wouldn't be shocked that if it's be. true. If if he's behaving in that manner, if he's you know coming at his teammates, then maybe that punch was a wake up call for him. I I. I Look, if versus it, a bad thing, well, maybe yeah. it was a wake up call for him, I'm a, but, and maybe it pissed him all to the point where he said, "You know what? That's he could what not, saying. he couldn't shake it that's to where he he never wanted to be part of they that team deleted, no more." He deleted Draymond like right after uh, off uh, social. Yeah, I would have too. But yeah. my thing is this: because in my mind, we talked to shout out to Coach Angelo Hernandez, who mm-hmm. he coached Jonathan Kaminga. He said yeah. Jonathan Kaminga was the most talented duty coach. Yeah. That's what I wanted from the Warriors to be yeah. real. Yeah. I didn't want no Jordan Poole. But see again, but the Warriors weren't going to let him go. Yeah, they weren't but Poole was expendable because yes. like, because of what you said. Yeah. So now he's at, on a new team. Yeah. He's not the leader of the team. If anybody's going to be a leader right now, it's going to be Tyus Jones, unfortunately. Because <laughs> he's because he's actually a solid leader. Because he's a person everyone talks about. Everyone says that he should be a starter in the league. He, they say he's the best backup in the NBA. Backup we, point guard. Were you with? We were together. We covered the Timberwolves. Was I with you? We you covered the Timberwolves before. Yeah. I covered them with the Round Ball Report. Yeah. And uh, Jamal Crawford in the locker room said Tyus Jones is a starting point guard. Yeah, everyone says it. Um, everyone says it. He's he's a bit undersized. I and like and I, I know you do. Um, I, I actually like his game, too. He's a true point guard. Yeah, he's a true point guard. Um, and he he shoots a little over 40% for three. He does everything well that you need for a point guard. So, and he's always been like that since yeah, high school. Since, yeah, um, so he's, he's the leader on the team, not yeah. Jordan Poole. Yeah. Now, 
without there being necessarily a true leader, though, we're trying to figure out who the leader is. Yeah. Does that necessarily play a role in Jordan Poole and how he comes into this franchise and how he approaches the game and all? Again, West Unsell Jr., that's going to be a challenge for him is yeah. can he corral a young that's team it. and that's get him to focus? A lot of people are making jokes like this is basically the Capital City go-go with a couple guys. So, Oh, it ain't that bad. Well, again, people, again, you know, the, the, street, the streets watch, are talking, but we are, we, the true, to me, the true evaluators and the true Wizards fans are knowing and believing that now with good decision makers, you actually have a GM, you yeah. actually have a president of basketball operations, thankfully, they and they're coming right. from winning situations where they've proven that they can bring in talent. It's going to be all right over time. They're doing everything right, man. They they're are. doing everything. Like, to the, all right, I understand like people are pissed off about like Bradley Bill not getting this that amount this um, this amount of draft number one picks, bro. That's not this, that was on Brad. That that was on Brad. He they, also, that. also, this is not this regime's fault. Like, oh no, not they should have made that trade a couple years ago. Like, they should have made that trade when it was offered to him a couple years ago. Dude, they could have been they could have been offloaded him. Yeah. But see, here's the thing though, there were at least two franchises, including Miami Heat, yeah. who said wave that no trade clause and we'll give the Wizards. This and a number one. They could have yeah. got Tyler Hero and a number one. Pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, or Kyle, no, 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 Kyle, not Hero. They weren't Kyle, trying to give him Hero. Or Kyle Lear. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, they could give him um, Hero because they wasn't trying to give him Hero. They kept saying it. They kept um, saying it. So Kyle Lowry and somebody else in a number one oh, pick. Oh, no. They could have got um, uh, Duncan Robinson. Shoot, Duncan, Duncan. Okay. Duncan. Um, and a number one pick. Which is, but which is good. He wouldn't he wouldn't wave it though. Yeah, he wouldn't wave it. He, yeah. he he made his decision that yeah. I, w- I want to go to Phoenix. He controlled it because yeah. he had that control. So uh, people people should know that. And a lot of people know that anyway. Yeah. It's just everything else. They they don't understand letting Porzingis go. But Porzingis could have walked for nothing if no, the clock goes past midnight. Best, it was the best trade. I think it was the best trade. You I'm got, just saying. But you got Tyus Young and, and oh, Tyus Jones. Jones. Excuse me, Tyus, Tyus Jones. That's all good. And, I said Kyle Larry. <laughs> yeah, no, um, Tyus Jones in the in the back in the back end. If, it's, a, it's a good trade. If you wait though, he walks for nothing. Just like Kyle Kuzma's walking for yeah, nothing because you didn't. Trade him when he was yeah. people were offering a number one for him. You did a signing right deal. before yeah. that. You got to, you got to do a sign and trade a sign and trade deal with Kuzma. I mean, uh, Kuzma, uh, Perzingis. He he helped you out. You know what I mean? Like you said, they they didn't like Perzingis wasn't going to be back. So you actually worked the deal out to a point where, all right. I mean, I think it was opt out. He would have opted out. You worked the deal out where he can stay. He, you can, he can you can get something for him. Tyus Jones is a is a is a steal to me. I'm sorry, it's a steal. So. To you, right, right. You said this is a G League team has to have folks. I didn't say that. that that's the sentiment. No, 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 no. Oh. No, you said folks said it was a G League <laughs> oh, team. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. You good? Are folks so sleep? Are they sleeping on? Because everybody's talking about pool. I get that. They can talk about pool. Pool is going to average twenty some points. I believe. I, I believe it in my heart. He's going to average twenty some points on this team. But are folks sleeping on Tyus Jones though? I feel like they are like not. They don't understand how good of a point guard this dude is. He can shoot a three. He has a. He has a. He has a tough floater when he goes to the lane. You know what I'm saying? Like he gets people involved. He doesn't turn the ball over. Like he doesn't turn the ball over. He gets so as a point guard, he kind of checks all the boxes for a point guard. He does. You know what I mean? So it, it's going to depend on the supporting cast. If guys like Denny and Corey Kisper can hit these open threes, if they can be threats to where you can't have a defense collapsing on the point guard, then yeah, I mm-hmm. think that Ty Jones will be impactful. But last year at times the Wizards were dreadful from mm-hmm. three, and they de- they depended and relied on it. So. It all depends on how the team comes together and what they and what they you know turn out to be. But the expectations are high. That should give this team the opportunity to go out and play sort of carefree basketball, um, knowing that you're continuing to build for the future. The concern is uh, the next two years. What is the NBA draft? What is the prospects overseas? What is it going to look like? Um, because of all the people out there who evaluate this type of stuff are saying 
there's not a whole lot of talent in comparison to this year. This is the last good draft for a couple of seasons, of course. Yeah, this is a real people. good draft. This is a pretty good, good draft. draft. Like I said, Keontae George went, what, mid-first round, which when he was in yeah. 11th grade, many thought he was going to be a, a top pick. Yeah, I mean, so, I feel like next I'm, year I'm talking is, about, like, to me, like, Taylor Hendricks could have been. Next year, next year is the Bonnie, the Bonnie, Bron, Bronny, Dre, Bonnie Bron, James draft. Wagner draft. That's yeah, yeah, DJ. Yeah, well, I know. But, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is what, this is what the media is talking oh, about. I've seen Bronny James in person, yeah. and we already kind of know what his game is. Yeah. But um, the Wiz are going to have to become a, an attract, uh, attractive free agent landing spot as well. Mm-hmm. If, if Tyus Jones were to succeed, that would be huge in terms of landing free agents. Yep. So everything, going back to your original questions and our thoughts about the acquisitions, Everything comes back to Tyus Jones because he's a pure point guard that can create for his teammates. He can score. If he were to be successful, and let's just say they make the plan, which yeah. is possible. Yeah, it should. If no. they make the plan. That would be horrible for this team. It would be. Yeah, but because be, the draft but it'd be good for some of the fans, but it would be, no, it, it, be horrible because, because they're not supposed to achieve. So it, if, if they finish ahead of, let's say, Toronto, who's losing their best player yeah. this upcoming season, if they finish somewhere, somewhere around 9 or 10, yeah. wouldn't free agents who say, you know what? I want a chance to play, to hoop, and to play winning basketball. Tyus Jones went there, and he did it. Yeah. I want to go to, to Washington. Is the nation's capital? Because right now, according to many, the nation's capital is a great place to visit, but it's not a great place to want to play basketball, basketball yeah. which is stupid. Yeah, it's so stupid. There, there's a lot of a rich culture in basketball and the DMV in general, uh-huh. and it, it's wild how – Around the league, people don't want to play here. Yeah. Kevin Durant, I, I, I associate some of that with him because he 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 didn't want to play for a different reason though. It's the the family, the friends, yeah, yeah, too many things. people, it's too many distractions. Yeah, had I nothing get. to do with the area itself. Yeah, um, but if you ask him, he'll say, "Oh, DC is a great place yeah, for basketball." He loves, he loves his area. Now, I looked at um, on YouTube. I went back. And I watched Howard when they played Notre Dame. Notre Dame came to Bird Gymnasium. That doesn't happen, right? Yeah. I'm mixing some HBCU in here. Why did they come here? Mike Bray, Mike Bray and his relationship with Blakeney yeah, from where? Dematha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who was the coach? Morgan Wooten. Morgan Wooten uh-huh. the, the tree that Morgan Wooten has. Um, I had a chance to interview Dwayne Simpkins. Dwayne Simpkins went to Dematha. He talked about recruiting to American University. American University. Well, like, when has American University ever made ma- noise in basketball? <laughs> so, but he's saying, he's saying that people actually want to come and play in, in D.C. Uh-huh. So the Wizards got to take advantage of the resources, the natural resources right here in the DMV, it can happen. Yeah, definitely can. I think the Wizards have so much. And man. it starts with Tyus Jones out of New Acquisition. Yeah. <laughs> light-skinned guys with curly hair, baby. But Let's go. Thing, yo, like the, the, it's a light-skinned backcourt, man. Something real out there. Uh, uh, with, Di- with, with, with Denny. Eldo, That's Eldo a Bob's. soft team, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Corey no, but, Kispert. Uh, and Bilal. That's you got. You got Bilal. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey. nobody said it was going to be tough. You said he had the edge, so I said, I'm, no, no, I'm no. not going to go there. No, no, he got the I'm edge. just joking. That's, that's the stereotype. It's real talk, though. Kind of like France, whatever. But no, he actually, if you, he balls. He's way tougher than Gobert. Yeah, he, he way tougher than Gobert. Like, yeah, in, in France. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. No, I feel like. He, there's no there's no tough guys in the league right now. There's no Artest exactly, or, or Garnett. I'm but I'm saying. Kendrick that, Perkins. None no, of those guys are dude, left. Because, you know, I told Joe you. Kim I'm covered, when I cover the Wizards and I, and I watch Denny Avenue play, right? I'm like, bro, you, you, yeah, he's soft. You soft. He dog. is. He's soft. You soft. But when I see, he's a nice kid. Yeah, nice. He's a nice kid. He's a very nice kid. Very when nice, I watch, soft kid. Yes. There you go. <laughs> very yes. There you go. But now when I watch, now you watch clips, it, it matches him though. When you watch clips in overseas, it matches what he is. Like it matches. Like when you watch, he had patent whatever. We like, dang, he can like he got game. He does. He, he does got game. He has individual skill. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's, this right here, 
this heart, it ain't the same. Now, that dude, Valau, <laughs> I'm going to call Valau. I don't want to say his last name. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> like, dude got, dude got heart. Like, he played with, like. Like I said, we'll see. He played with a different. Um, and he get up. He get up. Mark, right. I like Marcus Smart, his toughness. I think he's one of the tough guys yes. left in the league. Yeah. Damian Lillard plays with oh, edge. Oh, no, he's tough. He plays with the edge. Uh, Russ plays with the edge. edge. There's still some guys no, some, out there that are going to test your heart. Yeah. Um, Patrick Beverly plays with the edge. You can build your team around guys from overseas. Uh, yeah. Denver just proved it. Yeah, you do it so the right they, way. They're four. Yeah. The Wizards in, in three years can be competing and achieving what will they? Sustainable success. That's there the goal. Go. All right, so I, last question, though. Real all right. Quick. All right, so they're in this big re- rebuild stage. We can all see this. And then we do, they, got Ty, they got Tyus Jones. Uh, they got Jordan Poole. Drafted, drafted the ball out. <laughs> yes. Right? All right, so look, think of the players who are not really being utilized in the NBA that you do that you like, young players who aren't being utilized. In terms of low-risk-reward type of thing, should the Wizards go out and take a flyer on them, like via trade? Via, via trade? On like like just just not, like not just, anybody just like, not anybody in particular yeah anybody not anybody in particular just like how Orlando took a flyer on Markel and now he's yeah, 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 out yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that okay Kobe White is a guy I love okay because I think one. he can run the two that's a good one and and one. with Lonzo's status still being in the air now Chicago is acting like whoa we don't know we should like yeah. let him go but Kobe was a top, top five player. pick and the dude can hoop yeah. I've seen him he has good size yeah. handle Kobe White has. Put on some muscle since he's been in the league. He's yeah. a he's a baller. I would love. I him. like Kobe White. I like him a lot. I think he's underutilized too. I, I, I like would love. I, like I would love bringing in him. Um, I'm trying to think of any other like top players who have haven't necessarily panned out, or you know, just could use a fresh start. Kind of like Tyrese Halliburton came to, to Indiana and got busy. Yeah, and he was balling in, in yeah. Sacramento, but of course they were just crowded. Yeah. Um, like Malik Monk is somebody I love too, but yeah. I don't think the Kings gonna let him go now. Yeah, too expensive. I'm looking like yeah. somebody that they can't. So Kobe White's at the top of my yeah, list. That's a good He's one. somebody I've been like eyeing for a while. I like that one too. So, all right. So on our on in, a, in a Wizards Nation's Facebook group, one so this my home. The Matthew T Rosenberg said Marvin Bagley. I like that one. Sure. Now, he was really good. He was one of the top high school players coming out. Yeah, Duke players got a bad rap in the league. I know, but he was act. If you watch it when he got when he gets burned. He actually puts up decent numbers. I like that one. Okay. That's low risk, high reward. For me, I mean, I put it out there. Uh, Everybody know who I like. Nasir- it's Bobo. To me, it's Bobo. Bobo. Well, I yeah, think- Orlando's <laughs> not going to let him go. Yeah, but they're not utilizing him. Bro, he gets DMP, dude. Dude. Yeah. I feel like. I like I like um, Nasir Little, too. Go ahead, though. Yeah, man. Nasir Little's a good yeah. one, too. Yeah. Seriously. I like Bobo to me. Carolina he- guys, cuz. That's my name. I, I, I see it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, for me, Bobo ain't even. There's games he gets used, and there's games he doesn't get used. And it's like now, and towards that stretch when they started winning games, he wasn't being used. So I'm like, shoot, they keep getting more and more guards. I don't understand. Bruh! I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm trying to understand who's what making the decisions there. <laughs> you got like four point guards. Bruh. Cole Anthony might be one of the guys because it looked like he might be the odd man, I mean, man out. Even Cole oh, Anthony can Suggs. score. Cole Anthony's like that. No, he is they're not like, gonna let Suggs go. Yeah, I like Cole, Suggs too. You know, I like both. Cole, I, like, Cole, I like both though. I think another Carolina dude. Yeah, Everybody like, from Carolina out there, just pick him up. There you go, <laughs> Eric Montrose, baby. No, is he? Oh shoot, <laughs> Eric Montrose is from Carolina. No, no, I know. I'm just saying. So, there was something about him recently. I don't. I, I don't want to make a joke. <laughs> oh, so he did something? No, no, no. Let me see, because I, I, I want to be careful. Was I wasn't being like? Oh, you. Stupid. Oh, you saying that something? Oh, I got. Are you thinking? Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. Oh yeah, he has cancer. That's what he it does? is. He does. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I know. prayers up for Eric. Right, 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 right. No joke. No but prayers. I mean, I, that was when we was growing up. 
you know, Serge Wicker, all those guys. All I, 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 I just all happened to be a name that came to mind. Um, so anyway, no, aside from the Carolina, uh, the, the, the commonality with these guys, these are three guys like Cole Anthony's a, I mean, he's a flat out scorer. Yeah. Um, and when he's healthy, I think he can be one of the top guards. You're talking about a rebuild with, with a backcourt with Cole Anthony at the two and Ty Jones at the one. I would love that. Um, and Orlando has some, some pretty good assets. They do. They so really you do. might as well start to look. Yeah. And guys like that. I, that's what I'm saying. Guys that I'm you cool can trade it. a second round pick, not a high salary, you can bring them in. I think Cole Anthony is a good one. I think Cole Anthony made the man a lot of money. I think a lot of people do know how good he is. I think when, when he played, I know the game I watched against the Wizards, he came in and like they couldn't do nothing with him. Nah, so dude. he's a he's an extremely talented dude. The market is changing though. When you got um, guys like Chris Middleton opting out yeah, true. Um, in Minnesota, DiVincenzo. Di, Di Mm-hmm. Dante, he Dante, opted out. Yeah. Guys who a few years ago would have easily took those contracts. Yeah. Now saying we demand, we're demanding more. It is going to be harder and harder to sign these guys. That's going to be up to the the, the players' association. You got to get a handle on this. It's getting ridiculous, man. Because so many guys. You talking about Jordan Poole got paid a, a nice contract. Yeah. Draymond Green said I'm worth a hundred million dollars. It's, it's insane the type of money that these guys are demanding today, and it's it's messing the market up. Yeah. So that's why you got to find the Jordan Goodwins of the world. You got to find guys that are going to work hard and want to win, and the money is secondary to them. Sure. Um, it's hard to find that. I understand you have to feed your family, but you get so much money today. Yeah. Even the worst player on the team Gets is making the money. Bag, bro. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the guys now with Winger being the chief decision maker, yeah. I trust what they're going to do evaluating talent. And yeah. you got to get young talent yeah. because then they can't demand all that money. That's what I'm saying. Got to go young. I totally agree. Kobe White, I think it's great, man, because he's not going to demand a whole lot yeah, of money. Yeah, I don't think so. Not right now. Nah. Stats Now, Sierra Little plays well. Now, Portland I think Kobe White Portland's would trying to blow it up a little bit. I think Kobe White would demand more money than the Sierra Little. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Would. Yeah, so I think I, I agree like with that. Like he's versatile in the series, yeah. and he's athletic as all, mm-hmm. all get out, man. No. See, this is the the thing, man. Tommy Shepard made some poor choices in the past. We yeah. should Rui should be the leader on this team right now, Bruh. Now Lakers about to, the Lakers press to resign uh, Rui. Yeah, he, Rui. Now, now he's sitting back looking like yeah, yeah, yeah. I got options. I, I got options. That's crazy, <laughs> and that's my guy, man. I, I knew I got he, options. I, I've, been, I've been trying Praise to tell. I've been trying to tell people for years, and you know this. Yeah. And I'll give love to Troy Halliburton. That's my guy. Yeah. Me and him, outside of us, and maybe yourself, of course, yeah. because you were talking about him not being used right. Yeah. There, there weren't too many guys that were like advocating for Rui. The, some people were hot and cold. If you play well, oh, yeah, Rui's a ball. If not, get him out oh, of here. Yeah, Saul, same, Gonzaga same, guys are tall. Yeah. Um, but he was one of the more consistent guys on the Lakers uh, during, oh, no. that, during that playoff run. Definitely. And they, and they started and, you And he had the right assistant coaches yeah. leading him. Phil yeah. Handy's a beast. Beast. And then, and then towards, the end of, towards, uh, the end of the playoff, towards the end of the playoff run, they started utilizing the right way. They got switches on the small. He was in the yep. post doing his thing. All he's got to do, what you talked about earlier, is get that heart. That's what Russ tried to instill in him. Yeah. He said, dude. But he was getting be... it, though. He was getting it, That's though. what Russ told him. He Russ said, you could it. be one of the top players he in the league it, if you just had this. He said, have some dog in you. Mm-hmm. He was getting it, though. But he still deferred at times, yeah. man. Now, but now, it, now the Lakers, though. Nah. Now the Lakers. He now I'm talking about here. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. But again, it could be, again, to your point, mate. I mean, as much as I like West Tyson Jr., that that could that could be an issue for West. Like he didn't give him the he didn't give him the ball and say go rock with it. But still, was still deferring to Brad and all. Them. Six eight athletic can defend. Yeah, yeah man. I Look. mean, he just got to be more consistent rebound. That's the only knock I ever had on him. 
But that, with that dog, yeah, you know how to handle that Kawhi does. But that was a comparison coming that, out. Though. No, we don't need that. No, I'm just that was a comparison. That's what I'm yeah. But he can still he can still score buckets, bro. You don't need that. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like he could get the the the, the pat that everybody looking for for him to do what Kawhi does is like to go yeah. to, to the rack. He don't need all that. He got a meet. He is a he got a if he keep working on it, he can have a freaking um, like Bron type pat. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. I'm even talking about his 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 J. His J. Oh. Uh, the Rosen, mid range, the Rosen type oh. joke. Cause he got the mid range. He a oh, mid range yeah. assassin. Around. Oh yeah, bro. Like I'm saying, like he he don't need that much for real to, to score twenty. Real talk, nope. he don't need that much. Hit a couple threes. I don't want him to shoot a lot of threes. Shoot a couple threes. Stick to the mid range. Dude, it's a, he he's there. Man, Tommy Shepard. Somebody needs to find that guy. He's there, man. Hey, he talking about we want to develop Denny, so we had to get rid of one of them. Man. Man, get out of here, man. Yeah. He, he chose insane. the right one. He chose the right one. Stupid, bro. <laughs> he chose the he right one. He made so many bad choices. He, cho- he chose the anyway, right one. Anyway. That's the past. We're moving on. All right, man. And Winger, we trust. And Winger, we trust. All right, man. It's part of our HBCU <laughs> quarter segment. We'll play our interview with CIAA Commissioner Jackie McWilliams after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Saint for I just yiddig. Deuces. Listening to the urban sports scene with Wole and Ray Jeezy, and we are part of Empire Media. And that's EmpireMedia.com. All right, folks, it's time for HBCU Corner. We have a treat for you. Right now, we have the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, the CIAA Commissioner, Commissioner Jackie McWilliams. Hello, Commissioner McWilliams, and welcome to the urban sports scene. And welcome to the urban sports scene with HBCU Corner. Wow, pleasure to be with you both. Uh, what an honor to, to be a part of this. You've had some great esteemed guests in the past, so thank you for inviting me. Oh, uh, I see you've done your homework, right? <laughs> I know, I can <laughs> tell. <laughs> so so we we did ours as well. And I know this is about the CIAA, but 
like us, you got MEAC ties. And uh, my man here, he loves Hampton's homecoming. So we want you to share a little bit about that experience because that's that's something that's legendary for my friend Wole here. This is so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, this is the thing. No matter what HBCU you went to, no matter what homecoming you go to, it is part of the experience that everybody, mm -hmm. everyone's going to say their homecoming is better than the other. Mm -hmm. right? But I think your connection to that homecoming based on it being your home, mm -hmm. that's what makes it special. That's what makes it better for you because it's the experience you have with the people that you went to school with. It's the community yep. you kind of, you know, became a, an adult in. And so, you know, but we always love to visit other institutions homecoming. But for me, Hampton University homecoming, which was a CIAA school before they mm -hmm. went to the NEAC and now they're in a different conference. But that's the place where I learned to be the best version of myself and to be the best student athlete I could be with some of the amazing individuals and to see individuals that I could actually be one day, doctors and commissioners. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so, you know, that that's the experience you have. And homecoming reminds you of where we came from, honestly. It gives you that ground. It's weird, though, because when you go back to homecoming, everybody looks like they're like 12, right? The young people. <laughs> no, you're like, dang, did I look like that when I was in college? Probably. No, so true. So true. <laughs> so, so if you could have asked your younger self back then, I'm going to be the, the CIAA commissioner one day, would you have said, yeah, I can see that for myself? Mm -hmm. You know what? I probably would have been like, "Ooh, what is the CIAA commissioner? <laughs> like, what does that mean?" I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, you know, when you ask kids now or young people who are student athletes, you know, some of them big, you know, big conferences, they'll say, "You know, I want to play in the ACC or I want to play in the, I wanted just to play at Hampton." I didn't know about CIAA. I didn't really mm -hmm. know about SWAC, even though my family went to Jackson State Southern, mm -hmm. Alabama State. So we got, but I didn't connect what SWAC meant, right? Mm -hmm. If you know it's a brand and you connect it to events, you don't necessarily connect it to the total experience of championships. So, yeah, I think, you know, if somebody would have said that, I probably would have been curious, like, ooh, what does this mean? And maybe I would have thought differently, but I'm glad that, um, you know, I had a chance to know that commissioner or at least know who, or see him. He was the first full-time commissioner, Bob Mormon of the CIAA. So that was my commissioner as a student athlete. And I just remember having a really great experience as a student athlete. So, you know, I when I took this position, I always thought about my experience when I played when he was the commissioner. And I always heard people say that he was so focused on the student athlete. So and everything that he did, even his family said it was surrounded by student athlete experience. And so I think I strive to do the same. And so yeah, maybe if somebody would say, you could be the next commissioner, I'd be like, huh, what do they do? And if, mm. if Sonia, my, my sister at the MEAC, says, we commission. <laughs> <laughs> That's what commissioners do. We commission. <laughs> well, you do a good job of commissioning then. You do well, a good job of commissioning. There we go. <laughs> you know, and it's okay. I thought Hillman College was a, U, a real HBCU for a long time. So I think we all did. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> So, also, I mean, you mentioned like you play ball at, at Hamptons. Who was like the team when you played ball? The team that you like, you love to play against at that time. Oh my gosh, we have so many rivalries. Um, and by the way, my team was inducted to into the CIAA Hall of Fame this nice. past year. Awesome. And also in the same year, 
at the, I think it was in March, we got inducted into the Hampton Hall of Fame. We've been acknowledged to be as the 1988 Division II National Championship team, but not be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so it was really special because all 17 of the players, all of us are accounted for, all the coaches are accounted for, all the um, um, support of the team is accounted for. And to be together, I got goosebumps thinking about it. When I think about the teams that we play, like we were 33 and one my freshman year, and we lost. We never won the CIAA tournament, so I mm. never won a CIAA basketball tournament. I won oh, a basketball wow. tournament mm. too, um, but not a basketball tournament. And so, what you know to win a CIAA basketball tournament is like having ownership of the basketball national championship of yeah. the year, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. We didn't win, and the team that we lost to was Virginia State in the CIAA basketball tournament. And then when we got in the first round to the playoffs, uh, we beat them by like 20-something points, something crazy. Um, and we went hard and won the national championship. And Norfolk State was our other rival. So CIAA, to me, anytime you play, like they're all rivals, but, you know, the home by the sea against a Norfolk State, like, that's a battle. That's the battle of the base for real in any any sport. And then, you know, Virginia State, um, I think that rivalry has always been big, too. Anything that's close to you within an hour, an hour and a half is always your rivalry. So Elizabeth City wasn't far. Um, but for Hampton, I would say Norfolk State, Virginia State, to me, was our biggest fight. For me, as an uh-huh. athlete, I thought, like, you needed to be ready to ball to play them sisters because they fall Norfolk State women, Virginia State women. I mean, and I still know some of them. I see them like just by chance, you know, um, mm-hmm. whether it's at the tournament or here in Richmond. Um, I ran into one of the coaches just at the Wawa one day and I was like, <laughs> oh, you know, so it's, and, but we all recognize how talented during that time, how these women played the game and there was always a level of respect for how we played but when we played we went hard i can remember like you know our team coming off the bench to fight in norfolk state i did it because i was like them sisters are big like I, got, I can hold myself together but i'm trying to get in the game i ain't trying to like be out the game. so i do my place to stay on the side not that oh, i was i'm just saying freshman we let the big girls handle the big oh, girls. Oh, I know that. I know that's right. <laughs> so uh, it, you mentioned this, this, this CIAA basketball tournament. It's one of the biggest events in HBCU, HBCU sports period. Um, it moved to Baltimore after after several years in North Carolina. Um, how has um, the Baltimore experience been so far? How has the Baltimore experience been so far? It's been a charm. I mean, uh-huh. it's a charm city. Charm city. Uh, I, mean, I, I like what you did there. I like what yeah. you did there. <laughs> um, and it's like, uh, as the mayor would say, it's like crabs and obey. Like, we just, we have been able to find a rhythm together um, by making impact culturally, just figuring out what the gaps are and closing those. I mean, after our first year, and I, and I think people forget, like, we came out of COVID. Uh-huh. Um, and trying to run the tournament. So Al Hutchison, who's the president of, of uh, Visit Baltimore, we just said, look, if we can get if we can get the teams in the venue and make sure people are safe, then everything else will happen. And uh-huh. so I think I think being intentional in a city about what's most important to you, and that's the people. And if you are intentional about serving and making sure that the people are safe um, through public safety, making sure that the 
fans are safe in the venues and that the experience in the venue is great and that you give the best experience you can get in our events, you take care of that, then the numbers will happen. And so, you know, this year we announced um, last week our economic impact was close to $30 million uh-huh. in the second year. And that's what moving to digital tickets where everybody's like, oh my God, digital. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, nobody prints tickets anymore, people. So at uh-huh. the CIAA, you know, that's a big transition, even though the rest of the world has already done it. There's just something about our conference and tournament where we make a shift and change our fans sometimes just freak out. But mm. I think once they get into it, they recognize that it's probably the best business decision for us to manage expectations. So it's great. Baltimore is a, it's a wonderful city. I, w- I worked at Morgan State before, so I mm. lived there. And, mm. you know, I love like going downtown. I, l- I love urban cities, period. I just mm. like seeing us and the cultural aspect. I love mm. going to the restaurants and we're serving. I love going into the hotel. I'm being greeted by people who look like me, the general managers and leaders. I mean, so it's a very diverse connection and you never feel like you're not welcome. And I think Baltimore the first year was not really clear. And I kept saying, y'all not going to be ready. And they weren't completely. Uh Restaurants Uh weren't open late. You know, transportation was kind of bottled up. And Uh in the second year, they did exactly what we needed them to do. And people came, um, and we still have work to do, but I'm, I'm excited about working with them. We extended through 2026, um, which is, you know, something that we, I don't, I, I would say debated about earlier. We just said, let's get the, the two-year extension and then evaluate how we do this year and make sure that both parties are feeling good about the partnership. Mm-hmm. How big was it they had the support of um, the governor of Maryland, Westmore? I mean, it's everything. But you know what? It, it, it's everything. It was, we had the support of the governor before um, Governor Moore, just in a different way, the financial um, commitment to visit Baltimore. I mean, this is a three, three and a half to $4 million commitment and investment by the city and the state in order to help us deliver everything from venues to programming, locally programming, nationally, whatever it is that we're doing. I mean, it's a partnership. So when you have the state involved, meaning even them putting in the liquor license, um, you know, not a lot of events do that, right? And that was very intentional to make sure that we could at least control and understand who was coming in the city and that those event holders would also be returning back to a conference that allows them to be in the footprint. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, a big deal. Um, you know, the business, the minority Black women business enterprise, I mean, there's about a million and one spend opportunity, I mean, that they have, that they were able to aggregate. And so that is state, local, region, DMV area, but mostly city of Baltimore. And that partnership means everyone. Governor Moore is a delight. The mayor is a delight. And the community has been committed to making sure that we can run this tournament. I think we all see the benefits, uh-huh. right? So when they win, we win, but the city wins, the community wins. The impact, I mean, we gave 500 pairs of shoes to a middle school for our Samaritan State Partnership and Distribution. Um, we gave out, just recently, the Panhellenic groups gave about, I think it was over a thousand blankets or something. They gathered that for the homeless. And so I, I you know, community to me is important. And so whatever we do, we have to leave footprints. We can't just go in a city 
and take all this $3.54 million that they're investing in marketing and venues and programming, but we need to be able to make sure that we're returning something um, back when we leave the city each year. So, so also, also, Commissioner, um, would do you ever do you ever see your, yourself or you know the tournament moving back to um, North Carolina? I think the tournament can move wherever mm-hmm. city brings in the investment and sees value. I mean, I think wherever we go, whether it's you know Baltimore or we've been in Richmond, we've been in Greensboro, we've been in Winston Salem, we've been in Durham, we've been in Norfolk, we've been in Hampton. If you just track the history. Mm-hmm. The, the tournament has grown so much since all of those years. Even when I played, I played in Norfolk Scopes and I played in Richmond Coliseum. And so, you know, we're in a venue that is absolutely incredible. They've renovated that venue, um, significant um, investment. Um, it's bright, it's airy, it's basketball. It's a entertainment venue, but they created a space for it to be a basketball venue. Um, so, you know, I think if there's, when we go out to bid, if the board decides to go out to bid um, in a few years after we get through this Baltimore deal, it'd be interesting to see what cities are interested in bidding and what they will, what investments, because we have our standards of things that you must do in order to this tournament. And so my hope is that, again, and, and it requires state involvement. Um, it requires city involvement. It requires political involvement. Um, investors, private and public sector. Um, and if, unless the board changes the format of the tournament, we have 13 schools now. So we've got 20, we'll have 26 games next year, starting on Monday, ending on Saturday. It's a grind, mm. but there's nothing like um, watching these young people um, play their craft. Um, and there's nothing like crowning championships and seeing the, the tears, blood, and sweat that they give. Um, to win a CIAA championship. Elizabeth City women in history have never won the championship. In my lifetime, I don't know if I really do that because I know I lost, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> am I bitter? Yeah, kind of. Uh, am I bitter? Kind of. Yeah, but, you know, Elizabeth City to see Lincoln University women. So you're seeing the parity in this tournament. And, you know, for them to come into a city and feel like they're a part of a community I think that's a big deal for the experience that student athletes should receive. And my my friends who are in big Greek life, they they love they love it in Baltimore. So I'm not yeah. so I, I I know that because we're local, we're closer to Baltimore. I mean, we're in yeah. the DMV region of it, but we're close okay. to Baltimore, and they love it. They yeah. have you know, don't have to mean, drive, all, drive all the way to North Carolina. They, they're yeah. happy. <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of um a lot of our alumni from our institutions are from the DMV in northern. I mean, if you just think historically in back in the day, uh-huh. I mean, if you couldn't go to school at the University of, or the University of, where'd you uh-huh. go? You went south to uh-huh. the institutions that allow Black people to get their education. Yeah. And so some right. stayed and some moved. So I think I'm very clear as the rest of our board and members, specifically our board, we know the data. We know where our where our alumni come from. And I think uh, we've been able to aggregate our new demographic of of fans um, by age as well, and not just schools and the footprint, but to really try to get this younger generation um, involved in the CIAA differently than we have in the past. So it's a lot of work because we're trying to capture 
you know, that, that newborn baby all the way to that season 55 tournament, you know, I've been here 60 tournaments and I don't want no digital <laughs> ticket. I'm like, somebody print this man a ticket for me. <laughs> I get it, sir. I get it. You know, piss me out today. Yeah, man. Change is hard for people sometimes, it man. Is. Change it is hard. Is. <laughs> The one thing I love about our conference, and maybe it's through my leadership and working with the board, that we are empathetic to that. We yes, know, that, mm. you know, I have to think about myself because maybe one day I'll be that way. Right now, I'm all in the digital space. <laughs> Show me where the app is. Like, I want easy access. Yeah. But who knows what it will look like 20 years ago when I go to the tournament and you tell me I have to do something else. I got to, like, scan my eyes or something. Like, what? You know, so I just think we all have to be thoughtful about what the trends will be and, and how do we integrate, um, you know, the new generation into that. But we don't leave out the past because uh -huh. I'm dealing with the past, the present and the future. And so I think strategically, I'm always thinking about how to make sure that we do that in a way that's thoughtful and it's empathetic. And sometimes we win at it. Sometimes we don't. Uh -huh. That's kind of a good segue because. Uh, we want to ask you about working with the other HBCU conferences. You mentioned Commissioner Stills earlier. We just had Commissioner Holloman on as well. And everybody's excited about this partnership and how it factors in in terms of strategy and growing, you know, each HBCU conference moving forward. And what's your perspective on that and how will that positively impact the CIAA? Yeah, for me, it's, it's like a dream. Um... You know, it's it's like the reality of what I've always thought about, that we are better together. Mm, um, they would call me the god sister of the, the group. I'm like, y'all making me feel like <laughs> I'm the aged out one, which is not fair. But if you think about the three, the four commissioners, I've been here 11, it'll be 11 years. I've been finishing 10 years, but finishing 11 on September 4th. And McClellan is finishing up maybe his third or fourth year, Sonia finishing one and or going on her second year and calling in his one year. So um, probably out of all of them, you know, I've worked in the national office. I've worked division one. I've done championships. Um, I've been in the infrastructure and some of them have been as well. And so I think maybe the knowledge base of being in you know, and as a commissioner, but been in college athletics for 30 years and very intentional about serving the way that I have. Um, it's probably helpful that I'm able to help guide some of our conversation and what they bring. We're extremely powerful. We're like four power. We call ourselves the four power, you know, conferences. And I think there's such great opportunity to identify those things that really work collectively together mm -hmm. um, without losing the things that we're doing individually for our conferences. So it's exciting. We meet once a month. Um, we're always listening. If everybody has an HBCU presentation or, you know, want an opportunity, I think we're very thoughtful about what those partnerships look like. We can agree if one doesn't agree that we should partner, none of us will agree. Um, mm. We all stay collectively connected in that way so that it makes sense on what we're doing. I think the collaboration for our student athletes and, you know, whether SIAC and SWAC are doing something because of the location, CIAA and MEAC are doing something, or we're all doing something at the Celebration Bowl, or CIAA and mm. SIAC are thinking about how to relive and revive our Pioneer Bowl and you know, what partners can help us do that, what makes sense 
you know, I, I think there's a lot of good conversation. Um, and I think you guys will continue to see some growth on what we can do collectively together. And we're doing some stuff. Um, we just have to share the stories a little bit better. That's fine. So, but so also, I mean, and, and just to jump on that, you know, like, you know, we've seen in terms of P PWIs, like, the ACC Big Ten tournament or the Big East Big Ten tournament, could you see yourself having that type of challenge or tournament in, in terms of basketball? I use basketball as, a, as an example uh, to have something like that for HBCUs. We'd love to. I mean, and, you know, one of my presidents, Virginia State University President Dr. Abdullah, he is my, he's my challenge of thought and strategy and opportunities. Like for him, just blow up everything and everything's HBCUs. But we know we're members of the NCAA and that we have division one, division two. So we have to be thoughtful. Our schedule is very different than theirs. So if we did a challenge, what does that look like? Uh, because they might be able to start early. We can't because of the division two life and the balance philosophy. Um, they get distribution. We don't. We raise our money very differently. Not that they don't, but they get a higher distribution from the basketball tournament. We get a smaller one, but it, the way that it's paid out in Division Two is by the number of sponsors, number of institutions you have, not how you win in the championship. So we're very a different makeup from Division One, Two, and Three. But I do think our conversations around, you know, the opportunities to have a big HBCU event. So interestingly, softball, golf, um, bowling, we have some of those things that are happening that people don't think about. That we mm -hmm. think about basketball and football, yeah. but some of our other sports are already doing some collaboration from conferences for our for all of our conferences for our athletes to compete in. I think softball did like a softball challenge and invited SWAC, SIC, MEAC schools, and it's awesome to see, mm -hmm. right? You get to mm -hmm. see that overlay. Um, we've talked about this NIT end of the year. There are some promoters out there. I think that's the challenge for us, right? We like to see it, but having mm -hmm. the bandwidth to do it. And if we did it, who does it for us? And how does the revenue work? I mean, so many mm -hmm. people want to use our brands, but you got to pay for the brand, mm -hmm. right? You got to pay for the marks. And so we have to be thoughtful about those partnerships that we would go in um, if we agree to do that. And what is the benefit back to us as conferences? And then what is the benefit back to our member institutions? So that that's always a tricky part and challenge challenge when you have these large ideas and want to do it and you've got individuals who want to do it, but you know, you're kind of hesitant because you don't know if they're going to be able to sustain that programming based on sponsors and revenue. Um, because we've seen that happen and commitments have not been made for our institutions. And we're trying to protect that. I think a CIAC, CIAA challenge would be dope, though. I'm just saying, like, in the future, especially <laughs> in the right location, it, it would be, I it think would so be big. Too. I um, think so, too. But I want to ask you, though, amongst the HBCU ranks, the CIAA, arguably, I want to emphasize the word arguably, is like the most, one of the most popular. What makes the CIAA conference so special, in your opinion? You know, I, you know, it's just like, I don't even want to say it, but the Howard Hampton, you know, thing. Howard was founded before. Hampton, right? So they say they're the real A2. They do. They do. I got a friend they who do, the Howard. Right? They I mean, do. She hammers, that, she hammers that to me, too. Because I, I talk about, like, Ray, Ray mentions why I love Hampton. So I went to Hampton's homecoming. I just loved it. Just went there. And I went to Hampton's homecoming and loved it. So I'm like, 
Hampton's like the HU, and she gets pissed at me. Like she yeah. gets pissed at me. And then they get then then, then they were like, "Y'all at Hampton Institute." Okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta love it. I mean, but at the end oh. of the day, as I would oh. say, you gotta give them. They were they were founded before mm. us. I mean, but at the end of the day, we're both two amazing campuses and individuals with amazing alumni that come out of our campus. But that rivalry is like it's it's like a. It's a it's a good and bad bribery yeah. at the same time, right? But I don't fall into it. But for the CIAA, you know, we were founded in Washington D.C. Our member founding members were Howard, Hampton, Lincoln, Shaw, Virginia Union. Um, so those are our five. So when you see our logo, our um, our logo, our main logo, you'll see the five stars that represents our five founding member institutions. And so we have a piece of you know, those schools that really made CIAA who it was. And there's a lot of history behind. Shaw was the first HBCU in the South, right? And then you got Hampton in Virginia, Howard. I mean, it's Lincoln, the first degree institution, HBCU degree institution in the North. So when you think about the history and the build out of even the MEAC, that our institutions from the CIAA, that was intentional work to have a Division One representation and Division Two in the NCAA, and you've got the break off of Morgan that was in Hampton, Maryland Eastern Shore that was, I mean, in the CIAA, um, South Carolina State, North Carolina A and T, Delaware State, all members of the CIAA. So, and there's history behind there. There are a lot of great athletes that participated in the CIAA that we try to capture, capture, but, you know, years have passed, and MEAC is the brand for those institutions now. But honestly, CIAA was the start of it all for all HBCU conferences. We were the first. And so what makes it unique is that we were the first. And we get to tell the story of the build-out and the breakout of what the first looked like. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's an important place for a lot of different pe- people. I mean, we're going on 113, 14 years. Um, the tournament is going on 78. The women's tournament is going to 49. And this tournament has meant the world to a lot of people. It's where it birthed NBA players. You know, it, it birthed um, opportunities that many of us, the John B. McClendon, who was a part of finding the first basketball tournament in 1946 with four other men. I mean, it's it's just special, and I think our job is to continue to make sure that people know the history of that. It's not that we're better than anybody. I just think whether I'm here or not, CIAA brand alone makes people have conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my parents went to Shaw, or, you know, or my mama went to Hampton Institute when the CI, or, you know, if, or my great-grandma. I didn't go to an HBCU, but my daddy went to North Carolina Central. Right. That's the type of conversations you get around CIAA and we're able to capture legacy, leadership and community, our three pillars um, through this conference. Thank you for mentioning UMES because we are UMES alums. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have some history. I think y'all had either a track. We've got your one of your track teams or the baseball that's in our Hall of Fame. I mean, I or has been submitted. I have to go back and look, but yeah, I mean, there's, 
all of you all, all of those schools that were a part of the CIAA has a footprint in our family. And once you're in CIAA, you never leave. You might be in MEAC, but you still CIAA. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Steve Ray, we have two conferences. We're, we're awesome. <laughs> I'm in three. I'm in CIAA, I'm in the MEAC, and now I'm in CAA. Like, what the heck? <laughs> So, so Commissioner McWilliams, what does being a HBCU commissioner mean to you? Um, it means everything. I mean, you know, there have been other opportunities, um, but this was the dream job for me. This was the mm. place that I started. This is the place where I always found myself, saw myself ending um, and helping build and sustain a brand. That was the first. I mean, there's something unique about this conference. We are you know, not just one of the largest tournaments in the country, but we have like 10 or 11 people on our staff to deliver this tournament and 13 other champ or 12 other championships out of basketball. Um, and it's special. I mean, I think there's um, the cultural relevance for me. Like I, I work for 13 boards for president every single day that allow me to be the best version of myself every day i'm not micromanaged they trust me i built the speed of trust with them um, to build culture to deliver everything that they've asked for working on media rights strategic planning you know our under armor bsn deal um you know to keep the conference financially stable it wasn't when i got here um to make sure that our student athletes have a great experience and you know, I don't have to wor worry or wake up every day wondering if I'm going to be received or accepted because I'm a female commissioner and I'm a black commissioner. I just get to be who I am. And that's a leader and that's a servant leader. And so it's exciting to be a part of an organization where I can live out my mission and passion every single day in college athletics. It's sport. Like I'm not a brain surgeon. My daughter's in a medical camp right now at Georgetown, right? And she wants to be a doctor. And I'm like, I am not trying to cut nobody. <laughs> I just want to see some good athletes play, graduate, and go. Like, I think about Josh Williams, you know, that played, that sat Fayetteville State. Kansas, right? Kansas City, and Kansas City now. It won Super Bowl. State, there's mm -hmm. a chance. They finally won the CIAA championship mm -hmm. after being in it five years. Uh -huh. I mean, I've watched seniors. I've watched them, you know, over the 10, 11 years I've been here, championships I've seen. I've watched these young people graduate and move on. So it's almost like, you know, you, you, you're, you can be really, I can be really proud about the things that we have accomplished as a team to give them that experience and make sure that they're in position with their institution to have that exposure, you know, to have the partnership with NFL and to have that combine um, or that legacy all-star game that they do in New Orleans, that opened up the door for a lot of our, and that's the kind of work that our partnership with the other three conferences, that's what we're doing. We're making sure that we're collaborating and getting the best exposure that we can for our student athletes. Well, we definitely appreciate you having having you on. I mean, you've already went over the time that Alex was allocated to it. To yeah, us, and I, I love we talk. do appreciate that. No, we appreciate that because I was scared like a fifteen minutes, but hey, she's yeah, going. We're so gonna much, go because you got a busy schedule. I don't know. I know we we know I it. Do. Uh, I do. But is I, there I, any before we let you go? Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I would. I would just add that you know when 
you know, when you think about our HBCUs and you think about our conferences, we are more than what people know us to be. Like SWAC is not just football. CIAA is not just basketball. MEAC is not just basketball and football. And SIEC is not just football. Like we are, we are a total experience um, of brands to support the HBCU communities. And some, you know, you don't have to go around us. Come to us and engage conferences in a way where we can support things to really enhance and amplify our brands and the experiences for our student athletes. But, you know, most of us where football or basketball is our primary revenue source, which it is for CIAA, you know, we've got to sell tickets. And you'll see a lot of that this year in our promotions. I told my team, I don't talk about anything else. It's tickets, 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 tickets. <laughs> but we're going to do a community event. How are we selling tickets? You know, we going to do. So we're giving back. But we need alumni and fans to give back, too. So if you want great experiences, you know, if you come to Baltimore, just don't go to the parties. Like, come party in the venue with us and, mm. and share the experience for the student athletes. I guarantee you'll have a great time in the venue if you come. Um, but make that total experience a part of buying a ticket and making sure that we can give back more to our student athletes and our membership when we do that. Because the resources, that's what it's for. We're all nonprofits. I think people think we're for profit. No, we're not. We're nonprofit. And so we have to raise our money specifically in Division Two in a way um, to, to deliver product every single day. And so our partnerships with Van Wagner and all of our sponsors, um, you know, nationwide and Food Lion, I'm giving them all plugs because they've been with us 25 years plus. And it's hard to sustain partners and who want to give into your scholarship fund and who want to deliver at your championships. And so it's important to have those partners. And but it's also important to have your fan of alumni give back to your institutions and then give back to those events that give back to your institution. So it's a collaborative community effort in HBCU. So while we wear in our HBCU stuff, are you really giving back? Are you really making, you know, UMES as alumni better than you left it because you got something from there? And that's what we should all be doing. And I give back to Hampton every single year. I have a, I give back in the scholarship fund. Um, and I have a scholarship fund at the Temple University from a graduate there. So if you're an HBCU athlete or not an athlete, a graduate and you want to go to grad school, I'm encouraging you to go to Temple and get uh, and apply for the Jacqueline McWilliams Scholarship Fund to help support you. Those are the things that we should do as we're trying to give back and build our own legacy as well every single day. It's important. Uh, we well thanks for being on hbcu corner we appreciate you, um, you. you're like you hope you're helping us complete the mission of getting all the commissioners on this on this pod so we thank you so much hey raise the truth man we got awesome. you should have all four of us on at one time oh you know what Ray, yes, scheduling, scheduling is hard but we're gonna try to make this happen well thanks again i know thanks, you're busy guys. we appreciate you making time for us we really do Thank you. You guys be well. Have a great right. summer. Have a, have a great one. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.